Lord wants to speak to us today. Um, 2 Corinthians 10 verses, uh, I believe it's 3, is it 3 and 4? It says, for although we, and I'm reading from a different translation than y'all's, but it says, for although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with, everybody say, divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and, in, and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. I want to talk just for a few minutes. We're in our, we're in our financial revival series. And I want to talk today and deal with this today. Now, some of y'all might get upset, but we're going we're gonna to walk through it. Uh, it won't be the first time. We're going to talk about signs of a poverty mindset. Yes. Signs of a poverty mindset. Can you say signs of a poverty mindset? When you start talking about poverty, the basic message behind poverty is there's never enough. I don't have enough. I wish I could have more. I can't make it with this. And so as I begin to just, just pray about this, um, and, and let me say this, I was praying on, um, I was praying on, 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 on um, Friday about this as we were heading home from um, Thursday, really, as we were heading home from, from West Virginia, and the Lord told me to just remind the house to value the word. Value the word. And then the second thing, as I was praying, the Lord said to tell, tell me to remind the people of God, don't rush the word. Don't rush the word. And I, I'm going to tell you why, I, why I'm saying this is because um, when it comes time for us to go to movies and when it comes time, amen, when it's time for entertainment or when we're on Facebook or when we're, when we're going to dinner, we're playing games, or we, 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 we can sit through all of those things and we don't flinch. Oh, come on, y'all real quiet today. I mean, you got to go to the bathroom, but you hold it. I'm going to wait till the scene over, wait till the commercial come. But it's something. The preacher, every preacher can feel when the people are trying to rush the word. When you rush the word, you do yourself a disservice because you shut off the valve of revelation. Every time you rush the word, you shut off the valve of revelation. And, 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 the, and the reason why the enemy wants people to, to rush the word is because the place where you want to rush the word is the place you need deliverance. So in my own life, I found out this past week, we were, at, we were in um, West Virginia, and I was sitting there, I was going, oh my God, I'm just, let's just go home, it's late. I'm tired, I'm halfway about to fall asleep. And, and the moment I did it, I caught myself, ah, stop, stop that. Wake up and hear the word. And then the next sentence Kevin Leal said was something I needed for me. The Lord reminded me, he said, whenever, whenever you're trying to rush the word, it's because the enemy is trying to get you in your mind to stop something that you need to hear. So how do we, how do we get revelation to come out of the word? You got to pull on the word. That means you have to have expectancy. Your spirit has said, Lord, I want to hear from you. And nothing else matters right now. I know you're hungry. You want to eat food after church. But right now, somebody say, I'm alert for the word. Say, I'm hungry for the word. All right, so when we start talking about uh, the poverty mindset, a lot of us, if we can be very honest, and, and it's us in the room, if we can be honest, a lot of us were very much indoctrinated 
into the poverty mindset in our minds. Go back to your earliest recollection of hearing your parents talk about money. We can't afford that. How many ever heard a parent or someone who was over you speak like that? What you doing? We can't afford that. I mean, it's not everybody, but for most of us, we heard words like that. We heard stuff like, um, that's way too much money. I ain't buying that. that that's, that's too much money. Anybody ever heard that before? In your household? Okay. How about this one? Uh, I don't have enough money for that. Anybody ever heard that one? All right. Uh, um, uh, how, how about this one? You're going shopping. Your kids are going shopping. Don't even go in that area. Anybody ever heard that one? Stay out that area. That area ain't for us. You got to come on over here to the sale area. Anybody ever heard that? Okay. All right. I'm just asking. Um, how about this? Anybody ever heard this one? Get the stuff that's on sale. Find what's on sale. Anybody ever heard that before? All right. Um, how about anybody ever heard this before? Yo, hook me up. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever heard parent or someone in your household say, man, hook us up. Hook a brother up. Give me the discount. We family. Why I got to pay for this? Anybody ever heard something like that? A lot of these things have been the way that we have come to understand what we can accept what we can have. Today, a lot of the stuff that we look at and we say that we can't afford, if you rewind and go backwards, you'll find out that somebody else said the same thing about what you're trying to get. A lot of, a lot of the areas where we're struggling financially with is because somewhere some words were spoken, a mindset was formed, and for a lot of us, it has been a way of life. When do you ever push past what you can afford? And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about going in debt, and I'm not talking about uh, living outside of your means. But I'm talking about when do you ever look at the house that is a million dollars? I'm looking for a house. I'm looking for a house. I'm going to stay between 200 and 250. Well, do you ever, ever, ever desire to look at the million dollar house most people don't even go that far because we've shut that off because in our own minds we have told ourselves I don't have the money for a million dollar house so why, why waste my time looking at one you ever go to the car dealership and go to the car you, you right now doesn't look like you can afford and sit in it and imagine yourself driving that Lord, you ever go to Saks Fifth Avenue and look at a Gucci shirt? No, not, not Gucci. We ain't going to talk about Gucci. Uh, some other design. Somebody give me some else. Versace or somebody, right? And, and, and the blouse sister is, is $750. Do you, even look, do you ever go just try it on to see what it feels like, what that Italian silk feel like? Egyptian, so do you ever just try to go and look in the mirror at it? What I'm saying is this. We don't deem ourselves worthy of better or more because we don't, we don't want to even expand from a place where we have deprived ourselves from saying we can't have it. Sometimes you need to just go on, go on, 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 the, on, the, um, on the app, on the homes app, or one of these apps, and look and see when they're going to have an open home. They're going to be showing a million-dollar house. may not be the house of your dreams, but walk into a million-dollar house. 
Lord. Walk up in there and claim one for yourself. And see what that see what see what six thousand square feet look like. Go up there and lay on the bed when ain't nobody looking and just imagine that you're waking up in the morning. Oh Lord. Mm. Because the truth of the matter is that if you don't get the image within you, if you don't get the image within you, it's going to be very hard to break the poverty mindset. Because right now, the poverty mindset is embedded within a lot of people because we have said what we can and can't afford, really what we can't afford, and we, have, we look at our bank account compared to what we desire, and it becomes very depressing if that is your, if you're looking at your bank account as your source, compared to where you, where God's shown you you're supposed to be at, it can be very depressing. It can be very, from week to week, very depressing, until eventually you just give up and stop believing that you're worth, you're worth more, and you can have more. Lord. Somebody say, I'm worth more, and I can have more. So, so, so the, the basic message of poverty is that I don't have enough. There's never enough. And whenever people live that long under in, in the influence of that message, it takes a personal tone. When you live under that, it takes a personal tone. There's never enough for me. I don't, I can't do this. Y'all go ahead. I won't be able to. Okay. So, so uh, very quickly, I'm, I'm going to walk us through, I'm going to walk us through at least five signs of a poverty mindset. Y'all ready? Clear your throat. <coughs> You ready to say amen? Or say ouch, one or two. First sign of a poverty mentality or poverty mindset is being irresponsible. Being irresponsible. You have to recognize these things because if you don't recognize it, you can't change it. You ever, you ever met somebody who lived in denial? And you can see there's something wrong with them, but they can't see it. Listen, listen. Your attitude stinks. Or, 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 hey, why are you always down in the dumps? I ain't in the dumps. Look at how you look how you respond. I ain't in the dumps. I know that. Let me just videotape your response. Let me videotape that because even how you telling me you ain't in the dumps show you in the dumps. It's very hard to see yourself. Watch this. Unless you are, somebody reveals it to you, shows it to you, and even then, if you're stubborn, you ain't going to see it. It may take you going through circumstances that allow God to open up the mirror of his word to you to show you there's a problem here. All right, so watch this. Being irresponsible. Everybody say being irresponsible. It's a sign of a poverty mentality. In other words, people who are irresponsible play the blame game. People who are irresponsible always blaming the man. I can't make it because you know, you know, we, you know, it's hard for us. We blame race. We, we blame God. God know I want more well, he, he, when he's ready in his time. You know, that is so far from the truth. The Bible said today is a day of salvation. The day of deliverance. God said, God, God says he put the ball in your coat when Jesus said it's finished. Now think about what it came to. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's anointing me to preach the gospel to the poor. Right? And at the end of all of that, 
when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. In other words, I broke the curse. Somebody said the curse is broken. If the curse is broken, then why in the world would you live under the curse and then blame God? Watch, watch. Uh, people who play the blame game always crying that there's no help for them. Right. Ain't nobody ever gonna help me. I'm just I, I'm always asking, but ain't nobody got nothing. People who play the play who play that blame game, they are. Uh, I'm a female. You know, women ain't got no rights in this society. Hard for a brother out here. It's irresponsible. All right, all right. Um, the the word irresponsible. Uh, Translates into these words, reckless, unwise, hasty, uncaring, and wild. I'll say them again, reckless. So people who have a poverty mindset, they're reckless with money. Woo. They're unwise with money. You got bills, but you're trying to shop. Praying for a miracle. After you done bought some new, some new uh, uh, red bottoms or something, you know. Hasty. Hasty. Uncaring. I don't care. And wild. Go to Proverbs 21.20. Listen to the word. I, I'm not going to have time for you all to get there. Just write it down. I'll read them to you. Costly treasure and wealth. Are, and I'm reading from the Good News Translation. God's Word Translation. Excuse me. God's Word. Costly treasure and wealth are in the home of the wise. Costly treasures and wealth are in the home of the wise person, but a fool devours them. A wealthy, a, a person who desires to be wealthy is going to be a person that's not a devourer. Listen to this in, in the GNT version. It says, wise people live in wealth and luxury, but stupid people, I didn't say it, the word did, but stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. As fast as they get it, it's spent. Before it comes, it's already spent. And when you get in your head, you got to pay somebody back. Because you're unwise or, or reckless, come on, talk to me, or irresponsible with what God put in your hand. So irresponsible people can't hold on to money Long enough to build wealth. Long enough to start a business. Long enough to invest. Come on, talk to me here. And what we have to do at most times is you got to borrow to start a business. When according to the word, you should be saving little by little by little until you have enough for what you desire. Okay, that's the word. All right. So, so, so the, the, the God's word translation calls this person a devourer. We've heard that word before in Malachi 3, chapter 10 through 12, where the Bible says, Jesus says, uh, and God says, I rebuke the devourer for your sake. Say the devourer. A devourer is one, watch this, a person who squanders what they get. It's a person that brings to end what God has put in their hand. Go to uh, Luke 15. Let's look at this in action. Luke 15. And during this, during this, uh, this series, I want to give y'all a lot of scripture. Amen. I don't just want y'all to be, oh, Lord, thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I, know, I want you to go to the word. And I want you to hear what God is saying about all of this. Remember, don't rush me. 
I heard, I hear y'all like some of y'all already. Come on, come on, come on. Luke 15. I told you the Lord, the Lord woke me up and told me that. Tell him, don't rush the word. Value it. Eat it like it's a fine meal. You want to know what I learned? I learned this about, about a fine meal. You're not supposed to rush through it. That's why when you go to a fine dining restaurant, they give you a little piece of food. You go to our restaurant, a piece of steak is the whole, this whole podium. But when you, go, when, you, when you eat fine dining, they give you a filet mignon cut, and it's around about this big. Because the idea, am I right? The idea is you're not supposed to eat that fast. You're supposed to cut it and chew it and savor it and the juices and the, come on here, and the seasonings. Supposed to melt in your mouth and you're supposed to enjoy every bite. So watch this. The reason is because when when you're finished with the meal, it should leave a desire for you to want to come back. But if you've ever gone to a fine dining restaurant, the experience is lengthy. They don't just throw food in front of you. Eat, hurry up. We got to get the next person in here. It's, it's, it's so many courses. Why? They want you to enjoy the experience. Many people come to church and never enjoy the experience of worship because we're so quick to try to jump into the next thing we got to do. Got to go home, wash my car. Got to go home, do my clothes. Got to go home, take care of Junior. Got to go home, got to go eat. And we miss the, ex- the experience of fine dining in the spirit. Okay. I'll leave you alone. I'll leave you alone. All right. Um, Luke 15, 11. Listen, we all know this. I'm reading from the King James, uh, verse number Luke 15, 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. We know this. The younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided unto, now watch this, he divided unto who? Unto who? Who's them? The two brothers. One demanded, I want, I want the portion. I want it, I want it. The other one didn't say nothing. But both got an inheritance. Say both of them got money. Watch this. But not many days after, the younger son, here we go, gathered all together, everything he had, took his journey into a far country, and there, here we go, here is the irresponsibility. He wasted his substance with riotous living. Everybody say, wasted his substance. Watch this, verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Now, this is the issue. When you're irresponsible, you rarely think about what's going to happen when the money runs out. This guy didn't even realize that, what, according to the word, it said after he spent everything, a famine arose. If he would have held on to everything he had when the famine arose, he would have been taken care of. Now watch this. How many of us, and my hand is up first, how many of us have ever been in a predicament where we had money and spent it and then a hard time hit? All of us in this room. The question is, what did you learn from the scenario? Most of us, we learn the wrong thing from, the, from what God's trying to teach us. It wasn't, I ain't going to spend no more money. Because that, that's being irresponsible. The issue is, when he got what he got, he should have taken most of it and put it away. And, and, and all, if he's going to be riotous. But see, here's the thing. When your ways don't please the Lord, you can't think straight. 
When you're about to get into something dirty, you ain't thinking about saving nothing. Think about how much more I can get to do what I got to do so I can be taken care of. Y'all looking like, no, no, you, come on, be honest. You ain't always been saved. Some of y'all ain't really saved right now, but it's okay. Um, watch this. He began to be in want. Everybody say, in want. He, he realized after the fact, I should have spent the money. Now, his brother, on the other hand, didn't spend nothing according to the scripture. He got the inheritance, and he obviously put it away somewhere and stayed at home, kept serving, and taking care of everything at the house. This joker had something internally wrong with him because the irresponsibility caused him to demand what was his early. Sometimes you don't need the extra money. You're praying for it. You're fasting for it. You believe in God for it. But what is the underlying reason for why you really want it? If the purpose is off, you 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 can stay upon God and get it. According to this. Okay. You can, you can pray, you can fast, get yourself under control for a season, knowing that underlying, when you get what you're after, ain't going to be nothing good that comes out of it. We know the story of the unjust judge and the woman that wearied the judge, and he says, I don't fear God, nor man, or nobody, but you have worn me out. Give her whatever she wants. That's what, that's what this son did. He, he went to his father night and day. I want my portion of my inheritance. Give it to me now. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Now the father knew his character. But the father gave it to him because there's a lesson that has to be learned when you're impatient. Okay. Woo! When he, joined himself, okay, uh, when he joined himself to a citizen of that country and he, he sent him to the fields to feed the swine, he would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. Say he had, but he couldn't find nobody to give to him now. Verse 17, and when he came came to himself, when he came to himself, when he he snapped back into reality, because when you have finances and you're spending and you're not aware of what you're doing, it's almost like being on a drug. We don't want to talk about that. Spending is like a drug for people who have who have issues with spending. You can it's like you're waiting for the next hit on this Friday. Oh, don't mess with my money. You you hurt somebody over that the overtime. Don't mess with my money. I'm gonna tell you right now. Don't you mess. I put down for the overtime. You, did somebody move my card out the way? Yeah, we move. don't move my card. We say a whole other you. Cause you messing with my high. You mess mess with my ability to go out and and go to the mall. Look at what happens. No man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, this is what he said. How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I'm going to rise, go to my father and and, and all that. Now watch this issue. When do you come to yourself? When do you come back to your senses as it pertains to how much you spend. Sometimes it's going to take you having to lose more than what you gain in order for things, the light, the light bulb to come on. All right, all right, all right. Uh, number two, sign of a, of a poverty mindset is consistent complaining. 
Consistent complaining. All for the complainers in the room. Complaint, the spirit, the people who operate under that, under the spirit of complaining, look to attract pity. Look to attract sympathy or sympathizers or people to align with your poverty so that they can be your meal ticket. Beware of people who never, ever come up but who always have a handout. Am I saying don't bless people? Not at all. But what I'm saying is eventually something has to break. If we're going out and I'm the one always paying for dinner, oh Lord. In my circle, if I'm the one always paying for dinner, I'm questioning the people I have around me. Because eventually, we have been out all year long. Every Saturday we go out. I'm paying every Saturday. And all, all I'm doing is sitting, paying for your meal and hearing your complaints. Beware of people who just want to leech. This is why you can't tell everybody what God's doing in you, for you and in you and what he's blessing you with. Everybody can take what God, where God has taken you to. And if God only brought you up a half a notch, sometimes you have to keep your mouth shut and behind the scenes, thank God and dance and say, God, if it had not been for you. Everybody can't handle it. Why? Because some people see you as the meal ticket and the one that's going to bless them until they can be set up and then you ain't got nothing. All right, write, write this down. Write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. A good heart doesn't always work. A good heart doesn't always work. Um, you're going to have to be careful as God blesses you and blesses us. You're going to have to be very careful as to who you bless mm. and how you bless. Who, say, who I bless and how I bless. Some people are leached to you right now because they see potential. I don't have the money yet, but you can tell that there's something resting on me. <laughs> you can tell there's something on me because I'm unlike anybody else you know. Eventually, if I keep following God the way I am, I'm going to move out the place I am in into another whole season. And you're going to have to be very careful and strategic about letting people know every idea. Stop putting your ideas on Facebook and Instagram and letting the world know people who do this are people who have self-esteem issues because you want people to think you're smart. It's a backwards mentality. It's a poverty mindset because I want you to know what I'm up to. Sometimes the best thing to do is to pop up after all the papers are signed, after the deals are done, after you've done all of it, and the money is in the bank account, and people see you and say, oh yeah, we did that deal 10 years ago. Where did you move? Oh, I've been moved. I ain't been on Rochester Avenue in years. Why ain't you telling about it? Because there was nobody to tell. I don't have to... I, so write this down. I'm gonna have y'all writing and looking at the word a whole lot. Write this down. I don't know any. I don't owe anyone an explanation for my financial growth. I don't owe any. See, sometimes a lot of us we want to explain to people. I ain't there no more. Well, you have broken. You have something broken in you, 
if, if all you want to do is prove to people that you're not in the place you was before. See, I'm not doing what I do, and I don't have these businesses, and I'm not doing all this for you. If I have to prove to you that I ain't poor, I got something, look at what I'm wearing, look at what I'm driving. Our community does that. Our community does that. And you want to know something? Real rich people don't even drive what we drive. That Bentley is sitting in a garage somewhere, and they're driving a Volkswagen. They only take the Bentley out when they're going around other millionaires and billionaires because that's my status. We're the only people that buy Gucci and, and Louis and all this other stuff and, and Fendi and, they, and don't even own nothing. You don't even own your phone. You're still renting it. And your phone was around about $800. You done got three bundles since then. You done spent money on clothes 10 times. What do we own? What do we own? How are we, how are we exhibiting authority on the earth? What power are we operating under? If God's going to give us the power to get wealth, how do we operate under that anointing if we can't hold on to anything? It's much more than just accumulating money and sowing a seed in church. Come y'all, come on please. I'm going to break y'all out of this traditional mindset. Sowing your seed in church is a, is a large piece of it. But after you sow your seed, you got to budget what you got left. You can sow $1,000 here in church and then go home and have another whole thousand that you squander because you're not being a good steward over what God blessed you with and then God's not going to bless you with more although you sow the seed. I know people that sow good seed in service but they are squanderers at home. They squanderers. Go to their home, it stinks. Go to their home, it's dirty. Look in their car, in their trunk. All right, I'll leave you alone. I'll leave you alone. <laughs> so people with compl who complain are people with the testimony that I've always had to make it by myself. I ain't never had no. Um, pity is like the, the underlying spirit of complainers. And if, I, if, if, if I'm going to be, now you got to watch this. If I'm going to be bound to wealth and riches, I have, to, I have to be careful because I will contaminate my, the mindset that God has given me by associating myself with people who don't have a similar mindset. So the question you got to ask yourself is, what do I want? Say that, what do I want? Where am I going? And who am I willing to associate with? So what do you have to ask yourself? What do I want? Where am I going? And who am I willing to associate myself with? What good is it to start accumulating wealth, have a wealth mindset, a, a mindset of, 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 of the goodness of God, to associate myself with complainers? According to the Bible, I myself will become one, and you can have all the blessing in the world, but still acting like God ain't done nothing for you. It has everything to do with what you hear in your ear gate that you allow to go down into your soul, and you think on, and somebody else's testimony becomes your testimony. You ever been around somebody who complains and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, it is kind of dreary out today. All right. Um, go, to, uh, go to Psalm 106. 
Complainers never tap into anything new because they change their past. The job of a complainer is to constantly regurgitate the bad and the evil that's happened to them. So anything that looks like what I've gone through that's difficult, if, I, if it looks like something else is showing up like that again, the first thing that's going to come up is complaint. Why I always got to be the one to go through this. Why I got to be the one that always has to be, this has to be my lot in life. How come I can't catch a break? Why can't I be the one that ever has more than this? You are a complainer, ma'am, sir. You are a complainer. And, compl and the, the spirit of complaint starts with unthankfulness. When you're not thankful and grateful for what God has already done, then, then watch this. You're going to always be a complainer because you're going to always feel like you're being slighted by everybody. The system, your job, they overlooking you. No, you wasn't qualified. Your job ain't slighting you. People ain't slighting you. You ain't prepared. Anytime you are prepared, David was in the backfield worshiping, killing lions and bears. When it came time, his brothers were warriors. They were killing other people. But when it came time for, for, uh, for a king to be anointed, God, God, God told the prophet, don't look at the stature, don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. Why? Because when you kill a lion in the bed and you're in worship, then God has to automatically do something inside of you. God has to kill some stuff in you. He kills your pride when you almost get killed by a lion in the bed. He kills stuff inside of you when you're back there worshiping. When you worship, it takes care of the stuff inside of you that you don't like and God don't like either. His brothers, his brothers were, were, were killing on the field. David was killing in worship. When it came time for elevation, came time for elevation, David got elevated above his brothers. And, and the next scene after that is, 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 is a Goliath. And when they get there, the brother says, what are you doing here? You've already showed us up. Been anointed for the next, to be the next king. What do you want? David says, is there not a cause? In other words, in other words, you're hating on me because I was elevated because I went through the process. All right. All right. Psalm 106, y'all there? Psalm 106 and, and uh, 24. Listen to this. It is talking about the children of Israel coming out of, the, out, out of the wilderness. Then they despise the pleasant land. How are you going to despise a place God's trying to take you to? The word, the word despise means they look down on. They hated the pleasant land. The word pleasant there means, it means something that is desired, something that's good. They hated the good thing God was about to bring them into. What would make a person hate what God is about to bring them into if it's good? If God said, this is what I have for you, I'm going to bring you into this, and you and your heart begin to have hatred for where he's about to take you into, what would make a person hate that? The word gives it to us. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, having no faith in his promise. When you don't have faith in what he said, you'll hate what he's about to take you into. And this is why most people can't come out of the rut of debt, can't come out of the rut of low self-esteem, can't come out of the rut of not being able to jumpstart the business. It's because God has a plan above your plan. And he says, this is what he gives you a word. This is what I'm going to take you into. This is your promise. Say, my promise. Tell your neighbor, it's not my promise may not be your promise but we both have a promise now watch 
You have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, according to this, you're going to have to have faith not in what you want. I feel, I just want to run. Because we got a lot of faith in our stuff because it played out in our mind a certain way. I got faith in this business because I see myself and I went to school and I got in there. And, 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 and that may not be what God wants for you. So you got a lot of faith in your stuff, but how much faith do you have in his plan for you? He said, like, I know the thoughts I have for you. Y'all don't like the word. He said, like, I know the thoughts I have for you, and the thought I have for you is to bring you to an expected end. It's an ending that I've already said ta-da to. Everybody said ta-da. That's the ending that God has for you. You see that ending as being dreadful. You don't like that ending because it ain't matching up with what you wrote on your paper when you was 12. This ain't my dream house. Ain't my dream. Well, whose dream is it? If it's your dream, you're going to hate his dream. This ain't my dream person. Did God put you together? Y'all going to miss me today. The issue is there's a way that seems right to man but the end of that way is destruction. Isn't it something the enemy is so crooked and perverse and, and, and he'll, he'll get in our thinking and pervert our thinking so that he'll have us thinking, looking at an ending that is destructive and love that rather than loving an ending that he made for us that we're supposed to run into. He told the children of Israel, I got a land that flows with milk and honey. It's yours. And the Bible said they hated it. How do you know they hated? Because they kicked up every chance they could when God was trying to bring them out through the man of God. He said, this is what we're going to do. You want us out here to kill us? No, this is the process that God said to take you through to get you to where he has for you. This is your ex expected end because it's his end for you. Tell somebody, stop hating his expected end. They just, I'm just trying to get through this verse. They despise a pleasant land having no faith in his promise. They murmured in their tents. The word murmur means whispered against. They whispered against the Lord. They murmured in their houses, tents of houses here. They, they whispered against the plan of the Lord when they were in their private time. The word murmur also means backbite or to tarnish another's name, especially after truth has been expressed. God gave them a truth. I got a land that's frozen milk and honey. In the presence of Moses, they said, yes! When they got in their homes, they said, we don't like this. We don't like this whole process of this land of milk and honey. We in a wilderness. What are we talking about this land of milk and honey? He giving us manna? He trying to take us. He trying to kill us. They talked against the plan. Watch this. Because they didn't have wisdom for what God was trying to do. And anytime you operate and talk outside of the wisdom of God, you're going to talk foolishly. Job's wife didn't understand the conversation Satan had with God. So Job said, you speak like a foolish woman. Why? Because you don't have wisdom about what God is up to. Job didn't really even know what God was up to, but he had enough sense to keep his mouth shut. Tell somebody to keep your mouth shut until you get wisdom. Don't get mad, just get delivered. Third one, third, third. 
Matter of fact, let me finish reading this so I can do justice to the text. So watch this. They didn't obey the voice. Of, they murmured in their tents and did not obey the voice of the Lord. Whenever you are a person that murmurs or whispers against or complains or tarnishes uh, the word of the Lord, then what happens is you are, you are uh, immune to the voice of the Lord. Immune to the voice of the Lord. Watch this. Therefore, so this is what God did. Because of this, God raised his hand and he swore to them that they would make that he would make them fall in the wilderness. That word fall there means die. Now watch this. This is what God said. When Moses came, it's like, God, please just stay back your hand. What are people gonna think? God was like, all right, fine. But he had already said they're gonna die. What was God doing? He was giving them another opportunity, and hopefully he would have to repent on raising his hand. But he's already God, so he knows what they were gonna do. Okay, that, that's, 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 a, that's a bad fate. All right. And, and he's going to make their offspring to fall amongst the nations. Oh, Lord. So, so the parents die in the wilderness. He says, but their offspring are going to fall against nations. And they're going to be scattered among the lands by God. By God. God said, I'm going to scatter your children and I'm going to make y'all die in the wilderness because of what you did in verse number 24 and number 25. They despised the promise. And they talked against what God was trying to take them into. That's what the Bible says. All right, let me give you, let me give you the next one. Let me give you the next one so we can get out of here. I got four minutes left. Uh, sign, the next sign, the third sign of a poverty mindset. Spending more money on entertainment than investing. Spending more money on entertainment than investing. Am I saying that entertainment is bad? Not at all. But when you, when you spend more money on entertainment than you do on investing... In any way, it's a poverty mindset. Nothing wrong with entertainment. But entertainment should be more like a treat rather than every hour occurrence. This generation treats entertainment like my, like my children treat cookies. Every three minutes, they want another one. So much so that we got to buy the cookies and hide them in our closet. And divvy them out, put them in a plastic bag. Say, this is how much entertainment or cookies you're getting for the day, for the week, or for the month. When you finish with this, you don't get no more. Most people treat entertainment like, like entertainment is the, the all things for their life. Okay, okay. Entertainment is how much time do you spend on Facebook rather than investing in reading? What's the last book you read from cover to cover with notes attached that you wrote to better you? You answer that. Don't look at me. What's the last book you read? When, when do you invest more in the things you read and study more so than entertaining a part of your mind that's already half dead? Reading somebody else's status ain't getting no money in your pocket. Y'all real quiet. Like it, liking somebody else's status and reposting it is not putting money in your family in your family's bank account. But if you shut that off and find out where your gifts and talents lie, you may not even have money to go to, to go to the college or to get a degree. 
But these days, you can learn everything online. You want to, be, you want to do oil changes? You can learn that. You just have to go to DeVry or someplace before. Whatever the place are, you, know, you got to go to the technical school. DeVry. You remember the commercials? <laughs> you have to go to DeVry to get that. But not no more. You can go online and figure out how to change oil. How to change a filter. How to, how to change flat tires. How to repair them. Like, like this is the thing. You can look at somebody and hate on them because their, their business isn't all the way where it should be. Well, why hate on them when you don't even have a business? You can hate all day long. Hate on me. But guess what? I, I got an icy stand. Hate on my icy stand because it's hot outside right now. But the $100 I did make after I tithe and give an offering, I got 75 left. And guess what? Tomorrow, I'm going back out. This is the thing. Most our people don't like to see anybody else progress above them. And if, we, and if somebody, pro, even if you got the same thing, you're looking to critique them because you want to be the head person but not doing nothing. Okay, I'm not going to, I'm, all right. If all your money is going towards your clothes and your gadgets and all things entertainment, you're operating from a poverty mindset. Why, oh, why, why, why have everything you have and nothing you have is owned and is all fake? Instead of going to buying, buying that, 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 the, the Louis Vuitton bag, why not just, why not put, and why do I need to have this in order to feel like I am, I'm worth something? Okay, good, okay, ask yourself this. If, if, if by chance, and it is not going to happen, I'm not speaking nothing over your life and your family, but if someone's house caught on fire and everything in their house they lost, what would it do to that person's self-esteem? I'm not saying your house won't catch on fire, but if something happened to all of your possessions, what would that do to your self-esteem? It shows how, how much of us, we, how much we put value in stuff. How much value do you put in your computer or in your phone? You go, you, I left my phone. You, you had two minutes from work. Ah! You go back home and rushing through red lights to get a phone. Oh, now you don't use a phone to type no notes. You use your phone for social media. <laughs> to text folks that you could call from your job. You haven't even. Where's the last, what's the last number you memorized? Now, do you honestly? How many? I'm telling the truth. Our minds are like putty. Because all if you lost your phone, what do you do? Um, I need everybody that, that I talked to in the last 30 days to send me your number to my inbox. I, I've got a new phone. My iCloud ain't working. <laughs> Our mind's a party. Because guess what? Back in the days, you ain't when uh, you had a beeper. A next pay. Y'all, I'm 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 Lord. Maybe that's, uh, Lord, okay. Brother Billy, I'm, I'm telling my age. Had a next cell pager. 
You had a little, a little beeper. Somebody don't know what a beeper is. A beeper? Beeper? You had a, a, a landline, a rotary phone. A one of, do, 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 do. Uh, you don't even know what a payphone is. They didn't take them all out the earth. If you didn't have a quarter or 50 cents, you weren't talking to nobody. Somebody don't even know. But, and then we start doing tricks like call, collect, and be like, say your name. Hey, call me right back quick. Y'all don't even know about that kind of stuff. Y'all don't know about that. Y'all don't know about it. This generation is lost. They're like, what? What's that? <laughs> I want to laugh. I want to be in the joke. We had no money. And, and, and you was at the spot? They say, uh, at, at, the, at the beep, say your name. Hey, call me at the spot. And they goes, hey, we have a collect call from call me at the spot. Do you accept this? Nope. And then you just wait two minutes. Watch, it's going to ring. It's, it's going to ring. Watch. Ring. I told you. What's up, yo? Yeah, I'm over here. See, the issue is you had to learn numbers. People, these kids don't even know where they live at. What's your address? Uh, where you live at? Uh, but then the music go on. Ain't said one word making five million dollars. Dummy. Okay. I'm telling y'all. Entertainment. This generation, this generation, I'm serious, y'all. This generation has painted a picture even to our children that being dumb is cool. This generation. Overseer had a conversation with the girls on Friday night. Friday night, late Friday night, it was like three in the morning. Sat them down and had a talk about sex, sexually transmitted diseases. Went through everything from A to Z. I'm everything. I was at some points. I was like, huh? <laughs> Went through all of it, because what we told them is that we refuse to have social media, kids at school, and pure no knowledge about it. So you're curious, and you jump into something. Don't I told them, don't come here pregnant. No, no, no. No, 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 there's no need for that, and I ain't saying, I ain't putting you on nobody's pill, keep your legs closed until you say I do, so one of them, I'm going to tell you which one I said, well, what about when we get engaged, I said, that's even more reason why you keep it, you're going to stay at home until the night before your wedding. And your bachelorette party is going to be in my living room. And you're going to know what it means to, to, to pleasure your husband. Because we're going we're gonna to teach you. You don't need to go and go to some movie and get some, download some movie and, and watch some scene and have a warped expectation from him and he of you because of some joker on there jumping from the top of the ceiling. I'm so serious. This is why a lot of our marriages are crazy because somebody taught you wrong. You learned sex through entertainment. At the fella's house. Look what I got. 
then you thinking in your mind, this is the way it should. Y'all, y'all uncomfortable for her. This is the way I'm supposed to do it. Then you get married and she's like, I don't do that. You don't do that? You don't do that? Wait a minute. You should have told me this before we got married. Wait a minute. Jesus. Jesus. Now he trying to speak in tongues. Entertainment train you. How do we spend money? Entertainment has trained us. We think that the way we're supposed to shop is what you saw on a movie. Go in. I'm going to shut the store down. That's, that's why you're working? We're shutting the store down. Entertainment has, has caused our minds to think that life is supposed to be a way that God didn't ordain it to be. That's why it's entertainment. And let me tell you something. I've been in the industry. Most of these people that y'all see, all, of these, all this money and stuff, it don't belong to them. It don't even belong to them. They can't spend it. It's for show. And if they do have it, they've sold a part of their soul to get it. All right. My favorite arts, but anyway, okay. Um, right, just write down Matthew 25, 14. I'm, I'm done, I'm done. Matthew 25, 14. We'll end, we'll end with this, we'll end with this. And then, uh, Pastor Kenny, you pick this up. <laughs> you pick this up. <laughs> Say this, I have to become an investor. <laughs> Say it again, I have to become an investor. God expects you to invest. And not, not in entertainment as much as what he puts in your hand. Look at your hand. Say, God's putting something in my hand. And watch as what he puts in your hands, he's expecting for you to turn it over. Legally. I got to say all of that in, in church. Because Bishop said, whatever my hands touch is going to prosper. Over on the corner. I'm going to be straight. It's going to prosper, bro. It's going to prosper, bro. God, I got a word from the bishop, bro. God said, it's going it to turn over in my hands, bro. That ain't what I'm talking about, bro. Look at this. Matthew 25, 14. Hopefully, it'll be up on the screen. I'm reading from the ESV. For it will be, it's talking about the kingdom of God. It'll be like a man that went on a journey, called his servants, and entrusted them with his prosperity. Say, his prosperity. This is a picture of, of, of God. Being, calling us to be stewards over what he puts in our hands. He trusts us with, his, everybody say, his prosperity. He entrusted them with his prosperity. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his, now notice his word, ability. 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 Everybody say ability. God entrusts his riches to us based off of our personal ability. So if you, if, you, if you can braid hair, but you don't hone the skill, then, then God can't make the business of the braids that you're doing turn over because you only braid one hair a month. One head a month. That was real good, one hair a month. You only braid one head a month and that's slipshotted. You don't want to take constructive criticism. You don't want nobody to tell you that this, that this, is, cro this is crooked. No, you look at your, your head sideways. No, it's crooked. This one is straight. That one's straight. This one is zigzag. 
I mean, I meant to do it like that. Well, how come ain't no other zigzag? You, how, how many have ever gone to someone and, uh, just for a service and you, and you gave them a critique based off of what you asked for? I don't want you to cut my hair, give me a little, little, little taper, then they bald you. Like, Wait, what are you doing? Right? Now, now this is the thing. If you can't, now, now, write this down. If I'm going to be wealthy, I have to get rid of my pride. If you're going to be wealthy, you got to get rid of pride. If you're going to be a business owner, you have to get rid of pride. Somebody was, is always, every client is not going to be customer satisfied. And if you got a problem with pride, somebody's going to tell you, I don't like this. You're going to, well, listen, then you're going to mess up your whole reputation because you don't want nobody telling you anything bad about what you've done. I'm the best. I've got this on lock. But could it be that today was a bad day for you? You ain't no, you're, you're, not, you're, not in, you're not in angelic form. We make mistakes. Right? So, so you're gonna, if you're going to be great, you're going to have to be open to critique. You're going to have to be open to someone telling you this is not, this is not up to par for me. And if, you, if, you have, if you're going to have a business and you're going to be a business owner, you're going to be someone that, that, that operates with people, you're going to have to be able to hear a client and adjust. Yeah. Write that word down. If you're taking those. Adjust. You have to be a great adjuster. If you're not a great adjuster, you're going to tell folks, so what? Just walk off with that. Be grateful. I ain't taking my service back from you. And then what happens is the word spreads that you have a horrible attitude concerning customers. All right, now watch. Why is that important? Because watch this. The, the Bible says that, 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 that uh, the kingdom is like a man going on a far journey who called his servants and entrusted them to them his property. He gave one, five talents, another two talents, another one, each according to his ability, your ability. Say, I have to hone the skill. I don't care what you do. If it's legal and it's holy, I got something. If it's legal and holy, get better at it. Become the best at it. Now watch it. How do you become the best at it? Get people to critique what you're doing. Get people who need your service. Offer your service for free. And tell them, I'm giving it to you for free, so I'm, I need people to help me to build the business. To build the brand. To build what I'm doing. If you cook cakes, cook cakes. Cook it for everybody. It, it's called an investment for a reason. You can't demand somebody to pay $80 for a cake when they can go to Walmart and get a, get a cake for $2. Some has to make your cake worthwhile that they want to pay $20 for your cake. So you can become rich from it. Or the demand has to be there so that you can make enough cake so that you can have enough money. If your cake tastes like flour, pure flour, and mush with sugar in it. You can't expect somebody to invest into something you haven't first invested into. And what we want is, we want God to blow on and get behind and push something that is slipshot from us. If you want, if you want people to, 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 to be great, um, 
investors into what you're doing and you want them to be mouthpieces for what you're doing, you're going to need them first and you're going to have to invest into what you're doing and offer the service. I need testers. Do you like cookies? Do you like chocolate chip cookies? Do you like peanut butter brittle? Do you like? I'm having a free tasting tomorrow at this address. <laughs> but do you, you understand? You get what I'm saying? I went over. I, I went over to the hotel and I said, "Hey, hey, do you mind if I, if I, I I'm gonna bring you this, a sample, a box of sample cookies? If y'all like them, can I put some free sample cookies and a business card out every morning with breakfast?" See, I'm trying to teach y'all how to think. Pat, I, I can't do nothing. Ain't no, I don't know how to do nothing. You can cook. You bake. You can partner with a hotel that doesn't even offer continental breakfast. Every night is going to be, uh, every Wednesday night is going to be cookie and milk night downstairs. I'm going to offer the cookies for free for a month. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask y'all to, we're gonna ask, I'm going to be there with my team. We're going to ask everyone to give an honest recap of the cookies they're eating. We're going to present all of these to you guys at the end of 30 days. At the end of 30 days, based off of what unbiased people are saying, I'd love to come back and, and negotiate a contract. It might not mean nothing in the winter months, but when the summer hits... You see what I'm saying? And if you got five hotels, then every winter you might have to work a job, but you can be like, listen, I'm going to go part-time from May until December. Why? Because I'll have enough revenue. Eventually, my, my full-time job now will become my part-time job, and my business will become my full-time job. And eventually, my business will become my only job. You don't ever quit a job because you got an idea. Let me help you. I'm, this stuff you got you to hear this. I got a good idea. I'm going to stay home and work on it. No, you work your job and you work your business at night. Okay, let me leave you alone. Okay, so he who had so watch this, watch this. So he who had received verse sixteen, he who had received the five talents, went at once and traded them, made five talents more. So he had five, he made five more, and and, and the, the 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 monetary value was like for, for the one that had five, he had he had uh, he had it was like ten thousand dollars. He made twenty thousand dollars. Or five, the one that had five had five thousand dollars. He made ten thousand dollars. The one that had the next one, he doubled it. Everybody doubled what they had, right? Let's go down to um um verse number nineteen. Now after, now, after, now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. Everybody had talents. One had, one had five, one had two, one had one, right? Verse 20, and, and he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, say increase, increase, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. Verse 21, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much Enter into the joy of your master. 20, verse 22, and he also went to the one that had two talents. He came forward and said, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. Say, he doubled. His master said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I'll set you over much. Enter to the joy of your master. He, all, he also had received the one that had the one talent. Here we go. The one that had the least amount came forward 
And he said, because his ability had to have been less than others. Because remember, they got all of this according to their ability. So his ability had to have been subpar, but he still got something. Subpar, ta subpar talent, subpar ability, but he had something in his hand. Say, I have something in my hand. Look what happens. Uh, he said, uh, he came forward and said, Master, I knew you was a hard man. You reap where you didn't sow. Nobody asked that. Gather where you didn't scatter no seeds. Nobody asked that. So I was afraid. Now the other two weren't even afraid. You're only afraid when you don't produce based off of what God's put in your hand. Notice the other ones get, hey, I got two, here's four. Got five, here's ten. One that had one said, I got one, but I knew you were a rough man. You rough. You real rough. Poverty mentality. I knew you was a hard man. And in verse 25, so I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. Take it back. I'm going to give you exactly what you gave me. But his master answered him and said, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap. If you knew that I reap where I didn't sow it and gather where I didn't scatter seed, then you ought to have invested my money, the bankers. And at my coming, I should have at least received what was my own with interest. So take the talent. He's like, so he took the talent from him and gave it to the one that had 10. Here's the, here's the thing. And I think Pat Scandis will jump on this a little more Tuesday night. For to everyone who has will be given more. Say so everybody that has is going, is going to be given more. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even when he has, what he has will be taken from him. And, the, and, the, and, the ca and, and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness and that place where they'll be weeping and gnashing teeth. He said, you're not, you're not producing? If you're not going to produce, then there's no need for you to stay in the kingdom. Because it started out by saying, the kingdom of God is like, like this. The kingdom of God is like, everybody say, like this. In other words, what he was saying is this. If you're going to be in the kingdom of God, you've got to be a producer. Yes. Lord, I know that you just, I know, Lord, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. So I, I've, been, I've, been sitting on, I've been sitting on all these gifts for the last five years. I was afraid because I, I thought I was going to fail. I was afraid I didn't have nobody to teach me. You got the Holy Ghost. He said, the kingdom of God is like a person who got, but didn't turn it over. My question is, and I hear you, when I turn over at my job, what else are you turning over? The job is supposed to help you to produce enough so that you can take that investment, partner it with your gift and talent, and turn that over for kingdom use. The, the, somebody said kingdom use and that don't mean all of it goes to the church and all of it goes to the lost and the, no because God wants you to live off of some of it too but watch 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 when we when we spend more time I'm done when we spend more time on entertainment than we do on investing so, so what, what, what is the investing you have to invest in and, I, and one of the ones we're going to deal with probably Tuesday night is investing in yourself most people don't invest in them What's the last thing you did for yourself? And I'm not talking about buying clothes. I, you know, I'm just all for the children, all for my babies. They're going to get everything. My baby's going to get everything. I just, there's something even wrong with that. There's something even wrong with, no, y'all, 
There's something wrong with that. You, you don't have, you, you, you got two shirts and one of them got a hole in it, but your child got 85 outfits and 25 pairs of Jordans. Something's wrong with that. There's, a, there's an esteem problem here. There's an esteem problem here because, no, no seriously, I, I used to have to get overseer about this. Overseer would be like, no clothes. I mean, three shirts in the closet. Look at the kids' closet. I mean, whew. we go and I say, hey, whenever we go out shopping, now, now she's gotten better, she, she's over that. But back in the day, we go shopping, and, and I don't care where we are. We're in New York City. We shopping, and it's, ooh, there's a one-day sale. Everything, 80% off, everything used to be $5,000 a shirt. She over in the kids' section. Ooh, look what I get for the babies. Where my wife at? I never got to ask. She's over there in the baby section. You like sending me pictures? You like these? I'm like, what about you? You need something. Here's the thing: when you've invested into everybody else, and nobody's invested in you, you don't feel worthy to invest in your own self. Ooh, I hear the Holy Ghost in here now. You don't feel worthy enough to invest in you because you get your worth by investing into everybody. It's a poverty mentality because while you should help them, you can't help them and don't take care of you. What good is helping everybody else and you naked? What good is cooking for everybody else and you hungry? Eventually, the enemy will use that and tell you nobody cares about you. That comes from a poverty mindset. Nobody likes you. Nobody got your back. You always, you do for everybody and nobody. Who can you call right now? You know why you can't call nobody? Because everybody's leeching. Can't call nobody because everybody sees you as the supply. Nothing, if nothing in your, if you don't have friends that, re, that, re, that you can reciprocate from and you give but you also can receive, then there's some friendships you need to break up. Y'all are super quiet on me. I have to be able to sow more than just advice at, in seasons. Some friends, I have to sow finances. They need help. But when I'm down, I'm expecting we don't even got to say words here. Because it's, it is, it's, it's reciprocated because I don't have to remind you of what I've done. A true friend loves it all the time. You're going to you gonna have to you gotta realize this. You're going to realize this. If you don't honor your, if you don't honor God, then honor yourself. Nobody else will. Honor God. Say honor God. Honor me. Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your, because everything think I'm just talking. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, body, soul, and love your neighbor. Watch this. Ask yourself, and it say, love your neighbor first. You can only love your neighbor based off of how you love you. So if you hate you, but love your neighbor, something wrong. A lot of people are loving the neighbor, but silently hate themselves. How do you know if you hate yourself? What's the last thing you did for you? I'm talking about shopping. When's the last time you sat in the bath? I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time. I ain't got time. I ain't got time. Why? Because you're doing for everybody else. Don't love yourself enough. It's the last time you looked at yourself and just sat down and just took care of you. Put some moisturizer on that dry face of yours. 
When last time you sat there and put some vanishing cream on you? When last time you lit a candle in your room and just relaxed and told Junior, give me, I would like some iced tea with a few chips of ice in it. Little lemon split to the side. You serve them all the time. Y'all don't like That's not abuse. That's not abuse. I got to tell the church that because they were like the blood of Jesus. That's not abuse. You better believe. I, my, my kids, any minute they tell you, they be like, uh, I'm like, listen, go downstairs. I'm going to tell you what to do. Like, Dad, you want to think? I sh- I'm so glad you asked. I sure do. Come here. You get a pen and paper. Write this down. I want you to go downstairs. I want the whole wheat. I want my miracle whip. I know you ain't got to like me. Boo, yeah. Get my miracle whip. I'd like a thin layer on the bread. Then I want you to get two slices. They're like, Dad, just tell me to make a sandwich. No! I'm going to teach you how to make me a sandwich. So every time you make one after this, you understand what I desire. That's not fair. Give me them shoes. I, I, the, the girl was supposed to clean the bathroom. They was in there the other day. Brooke, she's going to hate me telling us. So they, they, they was in there, and Brooke was in there, and I, you know, I, they got the Clorox stuff you spray on the wall, and I was like, she, <coughs> I said, if you don't stop that, I'm going to slap you. Because see, she didn't want to do it. She's tired. I'm tired. I told her to do it early in the morning. It's 11.45. She, I'm going to bed. No, you're not. You're going to go in there and clean that bathroom up. And then you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to vacuum your floor. But what about church? You'll, you'll make it. The Lord will be with you. He'll wake you up. We're going we're gonna to touch and agree right now that God's will will be done. And you'll wake up at your time and get all your stuff ready in the morning. But right now, you're going to do what I told you to do at 7 this morning. Amen. Yesterday morning. Now watch. So she and I, I mean, she is dying. Turning red. I said, it is bleach. And it's not even real bleach. It's the fake bleach and not fake. But you know, it's like mixed with stuff. It's bleach. It's not back in days. Bleach. If you're gonna bleach something, you gonna get the full bleach container. They spray bleach around. My mom spray bleach everywhere. You got a cold? Put your neck up. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. They're bleaching everything. Germs in the house. She acting like she's going to die. I said, I said, now I'm going to show you how to do this one time. Get this brush. Scrub the side of this because this ain't been done in a couple of weeks. That's a shame. Scrub this thing like this. So I'm doing it. She, I said, bring me a phone. Guess what happened? That coffin disappeared? I'm here. There's nothing wrong. I said, no, bring me the phone. Bring me that phone. Until, until I see that the job is done to my standards. Yeah. I ain't paying for no phone every month and you can't scrub a bathroom. Yeah. Bring me that phone. Yeah. I told him, I said, I, we had a meet with them the other night. I said, we're, we're going to be unplugging y'all's TVs. Yeah. We're going to be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on your Apple accounts and I'm putting locks on your, on your Apple, on your, on your, on, on your on computers. I said, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to have the master account for your phones. I'm going to only allow you to work on your, on your, see your phones from 4 to 7 p.m. 
you would have thought I said Jesus came and they missed him. No TV, no phone. I can't even go on the computer. None of it. It's over. It's over. The jig is gone. The jig is up. The thrill is gone and the jig is up. And, and they're looking like, what are we going to do then? I said, you're going to pray in the spirit. You're going to make me sandwiches. <laughs> Stand to your feet. You're going to make me sandwiches and soup. You're going to get daddy ice cream. I only use one scoop. I don't use that spoon stuff. I want mine carefully scooped in a circle. Has to come out. If it's not, take this back. <laughs> I don't do that to them. I'm playing. But sometimes I do. Now, why am I saying all this? I'm in a light note, but why am I saying this? I'm saying all this because if you don't understand where the enemy has fought you, and there's a few more we'll deal with on Tuesday night. If you can't understand where the enemy has fought you with the poverty mentality, you will think that some of the areas that you've been living in and how you've been living is okay. And it becomes natural for you to not take care of yourself, natural for you to be irresponsible, natural of, of you to want more entertainment than investing. It becomes natural. And anything that you do over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, you start to create the pattern in your life. And the enemy gets in the patterns. The enemy gets in the pattern. And any pattern that's not God-based becomes a cycle, eventually becomes a generational curse, and eventually becomes something that your children watch you do, and they eventually start doing themselves. I don't tell my kids when we go places, I don't have them, I can't afford that. I tell them, we'll, be, we'll come back and get it. They go and they, they see ear, the, the, the uh, apple buds, and oh, what the buds, I'm gonna, uh, you know what I do? I say, well, first of all, first of all, you might not even like them, so listen through mine. Take mine for a couple of days. They're like, huh? Take my buds for a couple of days and, and see if you like them. If you like them, then let's start praying about it. Get mine back, though. <laughs> if you break mine, then we both got to be praying. But right now, we got one pair. Mama got a pair. I got a pair. You want a pair? Let's pray. Let's release your faith. See, I'm trying to teach them now. Release your faith. It don't have to be that I buy it. God can touch somebody's heart. Let me tell you something about my children. They got faith on them. We go play some people like, I just love London. London go go place and they be like, what you want? She be like, I want a TV. Here, take this big TV right here. I'm like, well, how do you do that? You got, one, you got what's on me times 10. That girl go place and just be like, hi, I'm London. How are you? Like, oh, we just love you so much. Go to the dentist, they give her the best toothbrush. I'm like, how are you get this? This is a, a $10 toothbrush. Oh, lady gave it to me. She told me to pick which one I wanted. I wanted that one. So you got good taste. You got, you got the most expensive toothbrush they had. And the lady said, that's not the one that's in the part of the package. Well, I was like, I want that one. And they give it to her. Stuff like that happens. But I teach my children how to operate by faith. Believe God. Let's pray on this. Let's put the word on this. What does the Bible say about this, baby? Let's, let's believe God for this. And if you desire a new pair of jeans with the rips all in them, I can rip a few pairs that you already got. <laughs> I'm going to raise a boy and, 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 and damage a few of them. I mean, I can do that for free. You got three pairs and we can, we can experiment. But you want the other pairs, so let's believe God for them. And what happens is we believe God and God makes the way. Then they go, oh my God, it worked, it worked, it worked. Because you don't always have to spend money. Faith can get you what money can't. 
We're going places and they have their own little allowance money going. They be like, I just wanted a pair of jeans and they don't have more jeans. So let's go, let's go look over here. Go over there. And the, and the same pair that, that was gone is over here but marked down. 